Good evening. Welcome to Left, Right and Center. I'm Vishnu Shobh on the program tonight. Colonial conspiracy censorship. Three words that describe divergent views on the BBC documentary on Narendra Modi and the Gujarat riots. We ask on this program whether a documentary alone is enough to destabilize our democracy, the world's largest. Our debate comes up soon and then we'll be joined by the senior BJP leader Shopun Das Gupta on this topic. Later on on the program between 9.30 and 10, why the climate activist Sonam Wangchuk is going on fast at 18,000 feet on the Khadungla Pass in Ladakh. Get serious about glacier melt is his key message. He tells us his plans and his huge concerns and you need to watch that interview because it ultimately affects all of us. But first, the big debate that we are tracking. The row over the BBC documentary. It's now been blocked. The government has blocked the BBC series on the Prime Minister, on Twitter, YouTube. Uh, they've, uh, they've said that it has to be blocked everywhere. They say that the BBC documentary is a propaganda piece. Uh, the government says the BBC is pushing a discredited narrative. They have a lack of objectivity and a colonial mindset. But at the end of the day, some suggest that, look, this is a democracy. And in a democracy, as large as ours, is a single documentary enough to really be making as much news as it is? Is the government overreacting? Joining us, uh, Lord Rami Ranger, member of the House of Lords in the United Kingdom, Karuna Gopal of the BJP, Krishank Mane of the TRS, Vivek Karju, uh, who's been a diplomat for India, and Tanvir Ahmed Mir, senior advocate of the Supreme Court. Karuna Gopal, simple question. Are we overreacting? Is there anything dramatically new in this documentary at all? Well, uh, I am not saying that we are overreacting. We are just reacting to an irritant, you know, something that uh, what we would call in uh, big data a piece of a noise, you know. I mean, today the country is aligned. Uh, today the country is energized. Today the country is raring to go forward. And suddenly you have this irritant thrown at you and we want to just get rid of that irritant that uh, is spoiling, you know, let's say, trying to irritate us. So that that's all. We I don't think we are overreacting. We have done what is necessary and what is important to get rid of that small uh, piece of irritant. Krishak Mane, uh, do you believe that um, this irritant needed to have been dealt with uh, with a ban in the manner in which it has been dealt with? Well, uh, with uh, those in power, Vishnuji, we are, we are celebrating the Republic Day. And Republic definitely means uh, democracy too. And uh, when we are uh, seeing Modiji himself speak about criticism, freedom of speech and expression, in fact, they always, BJP always reminds us about 1975 and emergency. This has been their speech, length and breadth of India. Then what is happening today? Why, why contrast when... Uh, you know, just the documentary. Why are you getting irritated? If if there is no fact in that, then BJP shouldn't be rattled with just a documentary. I mean, those in power in India are rattled by a documentary. They are unable to explain. They are unable to see. They are blocking tweets. They are requesting Twitter to, uh, you know, whoever is telecasting, block those Twitter handles, block them on media, block BBC. And this is the same Modiji Vishnuji who compared Akashwani Doordarshan to BBC. He gave credibility to BBC, questioning Indian media when he was a chief minister. And okay. what happened today? Karuna, what you happened to today? Reply? 
Karuna wants to reply, then I'll go across to my other. Yes, point. yes. Um, you know, I, um, all these hyperboles are uh, not attributable to uh, my government at all. You should understand that whenever there is a necessity, the broadcast ban has been a common practice. It has been done by uh, Margaret Thatcher's government in the year, I think, 1988 to 1994. BBC was uh, under a broadcast ban. Now, these things are normal. But now, just try and see, right now, where is the necessity to open the case file of Gujarat riots? There's absolutely no new evidence. There's no new data. And so you believe it's a conspiracy? Obscure report. It's based on some obscure report, unpublished report of some foreign secretary who allegedly toured the rights. No, I, I, I know what it what it says, uh, Karuna. I'm just asking you, do you therefore allege a conspiracy? Sorry? Yes. We, we, certainly, we certainly believe that uh, today India is really poised for growth and the world is looking at us geopolitically. We are very strong. Look at the context. First of all, the elections are around the corner. Modi, Prime Minister Modi is becoming increasingly powerful. He is loved inside the country and even outside. We have the stewardship of G20. And today we are being understood as a unified voice for the global south. These are things that are working for us. So okay. obviously the, the opponents would certainly like to throw, you know, something to destabilize. Okay. So you, 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 you stand by the use of the word conspiracy. It's been said by many in, in the BJP and elsewhere. Tanvir Ahmed Mir, is this a conspiracy? Well, uh, anybody who alleges it's a conspiracy must have at least some prima facie evidence to say it. I would say that, uh, uh, you know, there's uh, nothing in the government for uh, showing a back foot or going on a back foot in this case. But uh, uh, let me remind you, that uh, what happened in the Gujarat in 2002 riots is something which is reflected by our own Supreme Court in a 2004 judgment in a case called Best Bakery Case, also in the name of Zahira Habibullah Sheikh. Now, the honorable judges of the Supreme Court in that judgment found the action of the then government so despicable that they said that the fences who were So we don't need a we don't need a BBC to tell us what happened at that time because our own Supreme Court has reflected. No, but our own Supreme Court has cleared a, a special investigating team has cleared the prime. So the point is, this is an attack on the prime minister. And and well, it, not, is there enough? Seen, I haven't seen the documentary, but is there? I'm told that there is no mention or any really credible mention of the fact that Modi was cleared of all of this and therefore it's unbalanced. Well, according to me, unless and until I don't see the documentary, I can't make a comment on it. No, but, but the documentary it, is about is about Narendra Modi, right? It's, it's, uh, and, and it's been seen to be an attack on him. The point is, by all means, reflect on Gujarat and whatever happened over there. But uh, are you, but, but how can you make a commentary on a man who's been cleared by our own legal system at so many levels? Well, you see, uh, the clearance of this entire system, the recent judgment that you are talking about, is about a case called Gulberg Massacre case. Yes. British Broadcasting Corporation, at the end of the day, will need not our permission 
at the end of the day to make a documentary based no, no, on i know that and it's their prerogative to write and, and say what they want to what we what what we are doing is we are uh, we are assessing the quality of what they have produced they've gone and produced it it's obviously gone through their editorial checks and balances i'm just trying to make a simple point does that make sense when in fact the man has been cleared of charges absolutely that's what i am saying is that there is no reason for the government to go on a back foot you know on this okay. issue when when according to them they have been cleared by the highest court of the country so what where, where is the need to worry okay and fair enough i get your point i get your point and therefore does you more harm fair enough vivek kadju would you agree that you know we are the world's largest democracy it is a a, a a film a documentary you may agree with you may disagree with right but do we in our g20 year really need to send out the signal that we are blocking media we are blocking the bbc we are hitting out at something when in fact you know the courts have ruled in a particular way what what sort of message does this send about us uh, look uh, under the law i think uh, if uh, the authorities are concerned that any document or any documentary can lead to Uh, a disturbance of public order a breakdown in law and order then they have the right to take action but that action has to be based on the guidelines provided by the courts so that is a judgment which the executive has to apply but as a former diplomat what has interested me about the bbc action and we all know the connections of the bbc with the british uh, foreign policy and security establishment whatever they may say that is a deeply uh, known fact so what has interested me is why have this documentary come out at this stage when india is uh, the president of the g20 obviously this documentary was in the making for some time perhaps for some years certainly for some years so why have they done this and uh, that is to me the question that has to be asked by our policy makers because a second part of that of the documentary will now be issued i believe uh, will be telecasted today uh, there can be various reasons why the the british establishment has decided to put this out okay. but that to my mind is the real issue i am not in politics so i am not concerned okay. with the timing so you you are asking about the timing that. Lord uh, Rami Ranger, uh, some would suggest, you know, contrary to what uh, Ambassador Kadju says, that the BBC is completely independent. Yes, they've got close associations and linkages, uh, but the timing has nothing to do with uh, with the government sanction. Uh, is that how the BBC works? Well, Vishnu, first of all, BBC is a PR organization for the British. and it project britain in a very nice manner and in a very proactive or or a positive manner but anyway coming back but, to this but but that that's that's debatable sir lord 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 rami the danger that okay. that's very debatable no, i mean i can give you examples they when they hit out at the you government see, they, on a very regular basis they, they wish you know, they always bring garbage from all over the world for a feel good factor in this country but documentary is attack on indian democracy attack on indian rule of law attack on 
the race relation in India. This documentary is designed to reignite the hatred between Hindus and Muslims, not only in India, but also in, in the UK. You probably remember the riots which took place between Hindus and Muslims in Leicester and yes, Birmingham. Yes, recently. Yes. This documentary is ill time. After 20 years of the event, I want to ask what good it's going to do to the world. No, but why, why do you Modi assume, sir, that a documentary has to be published for good? The Prime Minister has been exonerated by the judiciary, but 13 judge gave clean shit of health. Uh, uh, so therefore, this is very sinister. Just when India assumed the presidency of G20, we have Indian privacy number 10 down street. We're talking about UK-India FTA agreement and India is rising, Indians are rising all no, over but, the world. But, but, but the producers, Lord Rami Rainer, would argue that they don't really care about any of that. They have done a program no, and they, they believe it is their right to release it. Now, we can criticize it, we can disagree, and we have it on many scores. I'm just trying to say, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of the, the timing issue. Because the point that's been mentioned is that the timing is curious. I'm just saying, why is it curious? Uh, uh, I mean, we well, may not like it in our country, but the BBC okay. doesn't follow our timelines or our guidelines. Done, okay. Why BBC has not done any documentary of Tony Blair for killing 300,000 Iraqis in, with a false pretext of a uh, weapon of mass destruction exists there? Why they haven't done on the documentary on the Bengal family? They have. The way they have. Let me correct you. Why? Let me correct you. Let me correct you. Two years ago, the BBC made a film on the Bengal famine which occurred during British rule and held the then British Prime Minister Winston Churchill responsible for it. What kind of colonial mindset blames the British Prime Minister for the deaths of lakhs of Indians, right? These were some of the questions. They haven't done documentary on Janewala. They haven't done documentary no, no, I'm sure, sir, please go, through the, please go through the BBC archive, sir. As far as the Bengal famine is concerned, they have. Okay, fair enough. I stand corrected, but at the same time, this documentary was will do more harm than good to the United Kingdom itself sure. because we have a large uh, number that's, of that's, Pakistanis that's a, that's a valid point. Indian. That's a valid point. Yes. I, I accept that, that it, it is harmful and perhaps for our relations as well. Uh, Krishak Bane, uh, the larger issue over here at one level is the freedom of, is, is of censorship. We value the fact that uh, by and large we aren't censored. I mean, that's the core of, of the media in our country. It's the core of what we believe in. And yet, uh, this documentary, which many say is disagreeable, comes out and we find it so disagreeable that we go and censor it. Is that the right approach? Well, uh, that brings a question, uh, Vishnu, that are we so weak? <clears throat> are, 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 uh, uh, is the democracy or... Uh, is the practice of India, which which we think uh, the religious tolerance, which we definitely are an example for the world. Are we so weak that, the, uh, that a documentary can uh, bring a breach in the harmony of this nation? And I mean, it is for the BJP or the UK politicians to question the BBC. We do not have any intentions to question about the content because we haven't seen, we haven't got the opportunity. But the curiosity is... What could be a point that the BJP is so irritated? What is the role of Narendra Modi ji in the video as telecasted by BBC is that the BJP doesn't want us to know. We, we feel 
that based on a documentary we will definitely not see because since 2001 and 2 india has moved on we are 20 i mean two decades away from what happened and definitely gujarat or the nation has progressed we 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 believe in our democracy that people will not come out onto streets to kill each other based on a documentary but why are those people who think okay that all right so let's put that to karuna karuna is this a perception issue for the bjp at this stage that you don't want anything on the prime minister which is negative to actually emerge that's what that's what mr mane is suggesting look i um, <clears throat> i fail to understand this simple logic um are you so weak that you are resisting that is something to be really understood properly is a human being so weak when compared to a virus which is not even um, a single cell why have we really reacted so uh, aggressively to a viral attack is a mosquito very small for a human body it lo- it might look that way but it's an irritant it can cause disease and the destruction that it is likely to cause is much more and this is this has irritant value for us when as i said earlier the country is poised to go forward and suddenly you have this silly documentary coming out and you know the you know the background you know the controversies of bbc right in the year 1984 the falkland wars of uh, the british have been misrepresented so much so that uh, the mp's there i mean you you have the member of parliament sitting there who said that it is almost it tantamounts to treason and in 19 i think 1984 if i recall uh, margaret thatcher was called a militant by bbc no but karuna by that same token i have seen the most uh, laudatory Uh, documentaries on the role of the royal navy in the falkland islands produced by the bbc as well so so again yeah. you know cherry picked information <laughs> no but the same thing can be said of what you are quoting also mr som so what i'm saying is uh, it is a case to case thing and when the supreme court has categorically exonerated then what gives bbc uh, the incentive to pick up something an unpublished report with absolutely no new evidence to come out with a story based on some let's say imaginative interpolations of some of those speakers who are there okay. so obviously it's an irritant for us we would like to no, get no, sure it of course it's an irritant I, of course it's an irritant. i can understand that i am just saying that the timing is not defined by us you may disagree completely with the content you may hate the content point out legally it makes no sense over here uh it's defamatory this that and the other but you can't but but to suggest it's a conspiracy uh the release and the timing that i mean I, i i don't know how you would justify that the timing the timing and the context so as i mentioned in the beginning you know when we have the you know stewardship of g20 and we are emerging as a loudest but, but why why would the producers of the bbc be interested in our g20 <laughs> presidency i mean what is how do you make that association The Mr. Somaiwa, I have a question, BBC, Mr. Somaiwa. BBC definitely is left-leaning, and we know that. And uh, they have historically um, uh, violated a lot of. Uh, you okay, Karuna ji, half a second. Uh, Ambassador Karju wanted to come in, and after that, Tanvir, and then Mr. Bani. Yeah, uh, Ambassador Karju. Uh, look, Vishnu, let's not be innocent on this. The connections of the BBC uh, with the British establishment are known. I know, as a press person, perhaps I'm offending you, but we who have been in this business for a long time know this. That is why I have been very curious, and I articulated that 
point in a piece that I wrote. No, I, I read that piece. I First, read that. Uh, no, uh, the second point, just allow me one more. Yes, please, go ahead. Uh, I do believe that as a mature people, as a people who have pride in our uh, institutions, we should treat such documentaries with complete indifference. And I do also believe that indifference is the most potent way and the most powerful way of treating this instead of getting into a tizzy about as some people have done. Now, that doesn't mean that if the authorities concerned reach a certain conclusion about social harmony being disturbed, then that's another thing. And this matter can go to the courts and the courts can pronounce on the action taken by the authorities with regard to this to uh, sure. banning the uh, documentary on the social media. So I believe that those who say that the BJP has a colonial mindset by reacting in the manner in which they have done also reveal a certain sensitivity to the British, which is also a reflection of a colonial mindset. So if, as Karunaji says, this is an irritant, surely you don't overreact to irritants. You ignore irritants. Mature people just ignore them and move along. All right, uh, All Karunaji, right. and and I, I promised I promised the others uh, that you know I'd uh, I'd come to them. I'm afraid I'm out of time on this because I've got Shapundas Gupta waiting for us with this very special interview. It's on the same topic. I'd like to thank you all very much uh, for raising the points that you've done. I did speak to Shapundas Gupta, the senior BJP leader, uh, earlier today. Here's what he said. Joining us now, the senior BJP leader, Shapun Dasgupta. Thanks, Mr. Dasgupta, very much for being with us. Now, there have been several reactions, uh, obviously, which have been coming in. I'm going to read out a couple of those and get you to perhaps respond to them. Moa Moitra has tweeted. She says, good, bad or ugly, the government doesn't tell us what to watch. Ban censorship. Hashtag ban censorship. She says there should be none. How would you respond to that? I don't want to respond. I mean, I think we, sh we should look look at this particular film uh, rather than make a blanket statement about censorship. Yes, I agree censorship is bad. Uh, what what really took place as far as this BBC documentary is concerned was that, that it was a premeditated hatchet job. It wasn't really a piece of journalism. But, I mean, that okay, that that's, can be dismissed as editorial freedom to do what they want to. But I think far more important was, was this, that there was a certain disdain, a condescension towards the various judgments of the courts, particularly the Supreme Court. And I think the very casual and dismissive attitude which these people had, as if suggesting that the courts were somehow politically biased, and in favor of the ruling the dispensation. Mm -hmm. And I think that, to my mind, was a, uh, a conclusion, a step too far. And it was really that which the government was objecting to. Right. And I think a lot of people, including me, who participated in this, not knowing that this was going to be their ultimate objective, I mean, that became quite clear in, in the nature of the questions were posed, uh, the quick questions which were posed. But I think really that's the main objection to that, whether that should result in censorship or that should result in strictures. But I think more than anything else, 
this was a way of making the government's displeasure felt because this was really sure. not a official document this is not an official and, and we'll talk sort of about government that. to government thing we'll talk about the government reaction but again another reaction tavleen singh has tweeted she says Look, I India, don't want to get into people, individual people's tweets. You know, I, I think, think it's the idea it, behind the tweet which reflects a lot of voices. So I'll take out a name. No, no, because mean, this that is, might reflect your voice, Fair enough. Let's get so, into so that, the no, no, so that's fine. Fair enough. I think the point, and this is in fact the question which I'm asking on my program as well, is if India can be destabilized by a BBC documentary, uh, are we truly on our way? You know, to, to becoming a superpower, something we aspire for. Who has said India is being destabilized? No, so that's the I question. Think India was undermined. Are we? Are we? Are, if we are not being destabilized, right? Fair enough. So if that's that's your answer. I think the question is: certain institutions of India, very important institutions, were undermined. That was it. It's not India has been destabilized. I don't think anybody really seriously believed that India was destabilized. People are putting words into people's mouths by saying India is destabilized. That, that's never the case. No, but the grounds for the banning of the documentary... You are undermined and what should you do about it? Shapunda, the, the grounds for banning the documentary were... One of the grounds was that it would have a destabilizing impact on, on us, on, on our no, country. That, that may well be, be the official version of it, but the point is very simply this. That here was a documentary made by a non-official body Let's be clear about it. This was a film made for the BBC by an independent producer. Yes. Yeah, the BBC just bought it and uh, sort of uh, gave it its own uh, platform. The, what are we supposed to do about it? What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to uh, just uh, ignore it? Or... Or should there be a certain step which should be taken, which expresses our displeasure about it? That was the question. And I think that the displeasure was expressed through the thing that, okay, this is, uh, this is banned. Now, I mean, it's, it's a banned, an item which is banned, which is not really in circulation in India. No, but Chopunda, how would you therefore respond to those who say that why make a big deal out of it? Is there anything tremendously new in this film? Well, what is new about it is the packaging which has been done after there's been a final closure of the event. Right. That's really what's and, new And you about. believe that the response... No, not, not in terms warranted. of the allegation. What, what, what had happened is there was a certain closure to this very unfortunate uh, series of incidents which happened in 2002. And uh, you resurrected it and you tried to put a gloss over it with a certain idea that this would have, uh, this would create certain political ripples in India. Now, whether that's going to happen or not is not to my mind. I, I don't think it will really happen. But I think it was necessary to also to express from the government's point of view a certain measure of very, very strong displeasure, not only... Uh, I mean, in particular, directed at the BBC, which again, in this, this case, was not an official body. It's a private body. What you wanted to do was you wanted to express that displeasure. Maybe there could have been other ways of expressing that displeasure. I, I don't know. Uh, no, but I'm but asking your opinion. Uh, you know, my opinion. My opinion was that it was necessary, from an official point of view, to express. 
a very, very strong displeasure about the manner in which they've gone about this. So do you and accept the argument made by some that, you know, this is an example of the BBC's colonial mentality and that there was a, a conspiracy, this is part of a con conspiracy to defame us at various levels? Well, uh, whether it's a colonial mindset or not, is something which I, I leave, leave for the moment. What, what I think no, no, is, but why leave that, Chopunda? The reason is no, because that, that's what, that's what, because that's what everybody is, is, is it's saying. It's not something I would use. It's okay. not, not a term I would use. Okay. What I would use as the word is condescension. Right, because... Okay. Now, that condescension might have a, a history which incorporates colonialism. But I wouldn't necessarily use, identify and hone in on the word colonial per, per se. Uh, that, that's a very slightly different way of look, looking at the whole thing. Okay, so but, condescension, not necessarily colonial mentality. No, no. Condescension in this case incorporates... Some condescension of the in, incorporates elements of colonial mentality is what absolutely, you're saying? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. So second part of that question, is there a conspiracy? Well... What I think was very important to point out is that more than a conspiracy, there is a certain ecosystem which is working in the West. And that ecosystem has systematically and consistently tried to undermine everything which the Modi government has done from 2014. In a way, looking at the Modi government as somewhat illegitimate. And okay. this belongs to that school of uh, thinking. And therefore, if this is a conspiracy, so be it. And I think, but it's part of that ecosystem. You see, the way I look upon it, I'm, I'm using very different words to express thoughts and sentiments which are not terribly different from that of the government. But I'm using words which are completely different, which are not the same. I won't use words like that because I, I, I mean, I, I, I feel that, you know, conspiracy actually... Uh, it involves sort of 12 people sitting in a room and plotting something out. It's part of a mindset. It's part of an ecosystem. And this has been happening systematically. And you can, and you can give various examples to show how they, this has been happening. And so they, this was just part of one of those. So you questioned the BBC's um, editor, editorial watchdogs, right? Those who let this pass uh, for not being... For, for, for being dishonest at so many levels. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm it, was saying this an editorial Was this an editorial failure? Or do you believe well, that this was, again, the larger issue which you raised, that you know, it's part of an ecosystem? Yeah, well, you see, there are certain figures in international politics who have been targeted by BBC, by certain other so-called liberal institutions of the West, as as people who can never do anything right. Okay. You know, Viktor Orban in Hungary is a casualty of that. There have been, to some extent, on occasions, President Trump was a victim of that. But Narendra Modi, systematically, you know, there, there is a certain sneer, there is a certain disdain which accompanies any uh, assessment of Narendra Modi and a belief that this is somewhat... Uh, that there is a certain measure of illegitimacy which accompanies the Modi government. And that illegitimacy cannot be removed by electoral mandates. And that's really the belief that we know best what is good for India rather than what the Indians think. 
At the same time, uh, Shapunda, there are those who point out that the BBC has, uh, in as much as I, I, I understand and I take the point you're making, there are those who point out that, look, the BBC has been self-critical about themselves, for example, in the case of the Bengal famine as well. So it's not just that they're hitting out at India in a particular context. They've hit out at the role of, of, of the empire, of the United Kingdom, during colonial times, during the Bengal famine. And therefore, it's not correct to say that they are biased. They have targeted themselves when required. Well, you see, this belongs to a certain new fashion, which is there, this whole entire thing about being squeamish about colonialism, etc. So that's part of the new game. But let me tell you this, that while they might be critical about their own record, their own history, they are also at the same time convinced that they hold, the uh, they are the repository of ultimate wisdom as to what is good for any country or not. And that includes themselves which is why the BBC often gets into trouble with its own government for having a certain particular bias about it, which goes against their charter. And that, I mean, so what we are seeing in India is part of a larger issue which they have about people they don't like. And why do they not like them? Because they go against what they believe is should be the way in which the country or the world should be run. Mm. Shapunda, despite what Rishi Sunak said in Parliament, do you believe that this episode, considering the reactions which we have in our country, could have some sort of an impact on the relationship with the UK? Yeah, in the short term, certainly. It will have a, it will have a short term thing. But I believe that ultimately we are both mature countries and I think we, may, we should be able to distinguish between institutions of government, institutions of the state, and other institutions which, while having some relationship with the state, do not necessarily always reflect what, it, what uh, is, is uh, Britain. Now, I think what's important is that I believe that ultimately Britain and India will do what is in their self-interest and will do what is also there is a mutual convergence of views. And in this case, the mutual convergence of views would say that what the BBC has done is irregular and not on. But that's an important point you make. I mean, you're drawing a distinction between the BBC and, and the British government, and, and that's the way they project themselves as being entirely independent. Uh, I ask you this because many have said that, no, they are in fact uh, just an extension of the British government, considering, for example, the access that they enjoy, the documents well, that they're able to get. So therefore... No, they, you see, there is the BBC World Service, which gets a certain funding from the Foreign and Commonwealth Office. So had this been done by the World Service... I would have certainly said, yes, there, there's a direct connection between the British government. But, but as far as the corporation is concerned, the main body of the corporation, and they, this was shown on BBC too. Mm -hmm. So there is a degree of autonomy which they had. Now you, you can say that that autonomy is notional and uh, it really doesn't exist in critical areas. But it's there. I mean, there, there is a one-step removed uh, relationship which they have with the British government. And for the moment, let's accept that. Yeah. We, are not, we are not necessarily going to have a diplomatic uh, power with the United Kingdom. We can have a certain exchange. But what is that short-term impact you're talking about, Shapunda? Well, the short-term impact is that it vitiates the atmosphere. You know, we are in, we are in, a, we are in the G20 
uh, thing where Britain is an important part. We, we've got a very important trade relation, uh, negotiations which are going on. Some of them which are going to be, you know, hard bargaining is going to take place on that. And anything which vitiates the atmosphere and brings an extraneous element, you know, brings in the whole things about history, colonialism, etc. And that doesn't really help. In these but again, G20, you know, you mentioned that. Could this not have some sort of impact on, on how India is seen around the world, developing nations, as far as G20 is concerned? That here is India, they've slammed the BBC, they've blocked the Twitter, Twitter, YouTube, etc., etc., on this film, and yet we project ourselves, and correctly so, as the largest democracy in the world, you know, in our mindset, the best democracy in the world. So, well, we are a democracy, and I think there, there, there's no doubt about it, the quality of our democracy. But of course, every democracy doesn't set the own rules. Now, yes, I would say that if you ask me personally, then uh, I, I think, you know, we, we should sometimes be, uh, we should disregard irritating voices which come about uh, from various quarters. But, uh, but as I said, there was an important point which had to be made, which is that certain Indian institutions should not be so recklessly undermined and without with impunity, which is what happened. And therefore, I mean, you, you can't really take legal action against them. So right. this is probably the second best thing you can do about them. Final question. Um, lots of students, um, you know, here in JNU wanted to see it. They were told that they can't. Uh, in Hyderabad, I believe there has been a screening at Hyderabad University for some students. Um, you can't really stop this sort of thing. I mean, young minds you are curious. Young, young minds are curious. Well, you, I mean, you, because it's very difficult in today's day and age, you know, from technology, you know, being what it is, and people have a, a innovative ways of uh, getting this. Uh, you know, that's a bit of bravado. Come on. You know, these sort of students would sort of do it. We all tend to, I, I don't remember in our sort of youth, we all used to look at, furtively look at Lady Chatterley's lover. So, you know, this can be a bit of that. So anything which is banned always has a certain macabre sort of attraction to people. So, I mean, that's inevitable. I mean, inescapable. Final, I don't think we get to work about it. Sure. Final question. And you know, we sort of spoke about this earlier. Do you disagree with the ban? I, I understand your ideas. Everything that you're saying, that the film is disagreeable, you know, there are those in the UK who've done it wrongly, they have a certain agenda, um, and, you know, you've used very precise words. But do you disagree with, with the ban, as it were, on Twitter, YouTube, etc.? Well, the ban is something the government had to do because they had to, do, they had to take some measure which... Uh... So this measure, do you disagree with the measure, is what I'm Look, asking? they have to take some step to register their very, very strong disapproval. Now, can you tell me anything apart from the ban which was in, available to, to them? There was nothing else available to them. So I think because there was nothing else available to them, the ban has been put there. But I think you mustn't look, look at the ban as meaning that, you know, suddenly there, there's been a sort of massive crackdown on freedom of thought, freedom of expression, and all critical voices have been snuffed out, particularly those which are emanating from uh, overseas. No, I don't think that's really the case. I think we must see this as a sort of a, 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 a very, very specific case, a very unfortunate case. And I, th I hope the sooner we can get rid of this controversy, the better it is for everybody. All right, Chopin Das Gupta, wonderful speaking to you. Thank you so much for speaking on, uh, on this huge controversy in this country. Hopefully it will end. I agree with you there. Thanks yeah. very much indeed. Thank you very much.
uh, the climate change activist Sonam Wangchuk, who joins us now from Ladakh, uh, will be sitting on a fast from the 26th of January, Republic Day, uh, at an altitude of 18,000 feet in a temperature of minus 40 degrees centigrade at the Khardungla Pass. Um, Mr. Wangchuk, it's always uh, a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much. Now, you're doing this for a reason. You're worried among many issues on climate change and the impact of India's glaciers. In simple terms, what is happening to our glaciers in Ladakh? Okay, so the glaciers are simply put melting away very fast, faster than we expected. <clears throat> and these are the glaciers that feed or, you know, water uh, half the country's population. One fourth of the world's population directly or indirectly depend on these glaciers. And we have many in Ladakh. So they are going away due to two reasons. Global warming, which is global, and local human activities also. And therefore, I have always been concerned about them. And we need to protect them. We need to protect this region and the lifestyle and culture of the people, which is specially adapted to these conditions where you have four inches of water in a year. People have adapted over centuries and millennia to live with five liters a day. These traditions, cultures, people need to be safeguarded. And our country has a very evolved constitution that actually goes out of way to not only tolerate diversity, but actually encourage and protect diversity. And that's the sixth schedule no, of the so, Indian So a couple of issues. Uh, Sonamji, you're talking A on climate change. B, you're talking about protecting the diversity of people in Ladakh. So let's now talk no, about the second part of what you're saying. To Sorry, Let related to the climate change, people have a culture that is adapted to yes. living sustainability sustainably in these conditions. And how so do you want that culture. to be protected? Do you want a particular status for people in Ladakh, uh, which guarantees them of their identity, and that identity is linked so closely to the environment? What exactly is it that you are demanding? So, three years ago, when Ladakh became a UT, people were very happy, but deep inside, they were also concerned about the safeguards, which were earlier coming from Article 370. Yes. They wanted to set free and become an entity to themselves, but they all assumed and expected that the safeguards to the environment and the people and their culture will come from Article 244, B, uh, which is sixth schedule, being a 95% tribal population, this was almost like a given thing. And the government assured and made, uh, you know, even uh, in the manifestos of elections, they assured, they wrote about this being considered. But three years have gone and this is not happening. And sometimes we are made to feel that this will never happen. And therefore, this step. Um, tell us a little bit about this step at 18,000 feet atop the Khardungla Pass. I've been to the Khardungla Pass many times. You're going to actually uh, go on fast. Yes, yes. In solidarity with the region, the people and the melting glaciers, I thought I should be where the glaciers are. And uh, that's in the Khardungla region. It is, yes, one of the highest motorable passes, like um, second highest. And, uh, but it is not like 
not doable or suicidal in any way. You know, mountaineers go even higher. I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting there hungry. That's all. It, at 18,000 feet, it's difficult to breathe there. Even if you are acclimatized, you have to be very careful. You're obviously sending I'm out a strong for, message. Uh, exactly. You have to, you have to, you know, uh, take some pains to draw the attention of the government and the people to the gravity of the situation. And therefore, I'm inflicting some pain on myself and not on others like hijacking an airplane or taking hostage. So I'm doing it on myself so that people see the gravity. And is this an indefinite fast? No, no. It's a five-day symbolic one, which I hope will resolve. If not, then one may have to consider more grave options. Sonam Wangchuk, uh, thank you for talking there about, about the environment, about the climate and our glaciers, which are our lifeline. No, um, I have one more to say. Yes, please, please yes. go ahead. Please go ahead. I have always believed that it's not the government or the prime minister who can only save our uh, glaciers because they can only make policies, yes. But it's the people, people in the country and the world and particularly those in Ladakh will have to change their lifestyles in the big cities so that these don't happen here. So I'm using this occasion to also demand from the people in the country to pledge to change their lifestyles to more climate-friendly ways than the carbon-intensive ways. So I'm hoping that people in the country will make pledges on that day, 26 January, to change their lifestyles as Prime Minister Modi promoted a beautiful movement called Life, Lifestyles for Environment. So on this part, I'm in support of that movement and want all countrymen to pledge lifestyle changes. And we have created a platform called ilivesimply.org where you can contribute your pledges and the platform will tell you how many dollars worth you are helping the country and the uh, planet. So I really hope that all the people will join me in this uh, fast. Uh, so yeah, let me I'm ask also... you this. Uh, you know, this is something that we've seen now in Ladakh for the last 10-15 years. I remember in the Siachen base camp, uh, if you look at the, the Shok River and the rate at which water comes out of um, the glacier itself, um, you know, it's, it's phenomenal. And every year the glacier sinks. Uh, the, the level of the water keeps rising and that's because the heart is gone, which is the glacier. Now, this is true all across the Himalayas and in Ladakh, it's, it's frightening. In simple terms, what is the impact of this for everybody, not just people in Ladakh? It ultimately impacts all of us. Yes. A, a very recent study in the U.S. says that two-thirds of our glaciers will be gone by the end of the century, 70% or more. And another research done by Kashmir University says that glaciers in the vicinity of the highway in Dras and Kargil area are melting even faster, which is to say that human activity is directly affecting our glaciers. So we need to reduce human activity. Even tourism with their diesel taxis is affecting. So you can imagine what industries like mining can do to these. And that will, as you said, affect uh, one, uh, one half of India's population. You know, one billion people on the Indian side 
and 1 billion on the Chinese side depend directly and indirectly on the water from these glaciers. Is tourism in Ladakh increasingly um, less sustainable than you would like it to be? If it was managed better, it can be better. But right now, 6 lakh tourists come, whereas the population is 3 lakh, so twice the population, and they come in five months, which is a very toxic intensity. So if it is spread out around Ladakh and in the seasons from winter to spring, then it can be less, but you have to have some restriction on such numbers. So we have to have some environmental tax, you know, why should the people here only bear the burden when it, uh, you know, uh, starts falling apart? There should be some tax collected which will help restore the damage and which will also deter cheap tourism. All right. Well, good luck uh, with, uh, with your fast and please be careful because we all care about you very deeply. And we all care about our glaciers, and hopefully the message will be heard far and wide. It's wonderful to you. Thank you, and I hope you and everybody will join yes. for that day, one day fast from your own homes for the planet. Thank you very much, sir. It is, uh, it is our responsibility to take up this course. Thank you very much indeed.